Welcome to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager here in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute here in northern Wisconsin. And you're listening to a program that we put together so that we can have intergenerational discussions about all kinds of things. And the funny thing is, I, I don't think that just because I'm older, I am smarter than anybody I've ever talked to. I think I'm just older. So I have more experience. So I can tell you what I've learned, but I can't say that my brain cells are in better shape than yours. So that, that doesn't work. And I think that's the value of talking with somebody who's not part of your generation. Um, you know, uh, if you've been listening, you know that I'm in the studio with Jeremiah. And Jeremiah is one of our students this year at the Nicolay Bible Institute, who is hopefully heading towards a career of working with horses somehow and ministering to people in different ministries. And uh, this is the year where he's learning the Bible, learning to serve, seeing how all this fits into ministry aspects, and and hopefully it'll be a good foundational year for him uh, while he's here. Now, when, when we talked in class, Jeremiah, I was talking about just perspective, and that's why I think it's really important that a young person like yourself have at least three people in your life, you being one of them. I, I think you need to have a younger person in your life that you can mentor, that you can always be thinking, how can I demonstrate who Christ is? How can the... So you're always thinking about teaching. And then you should have older somebody in your life. And that older person is, what perspective can they give me that I have no idea about because I haven't lived long enough to know what they have experienced? And you get those three people in your life, and you're in the middle. So let's say you and I were in that relationship, then I could count on Jeremiah to be my younger guy to tell me all the different symbols that I need to use for uh, texting that I don't know anything about. So, uh, Because he might know them, and and I have no clue. Uh, However, because you're younger in my life, I get to always be thinking I learned something. I get to teach something. You, as you learn, you say, I learned something, I get to teach something because there's somebody younger in your life. And uh, yeah, it does get harder as you get older to find those older people in your life. And so there might come a time where you say, well, I am old. I'm the old person. And, uh, and you just share your experiences. But I encourage all young people that are listening, get yourself in that kind of triangle and, and make sure that you're learning and you're doing it on intentionally, not just, oh, this will accidentally happen. So for you, Jeremiah, the rest of your life, I hope you can identify one older person and one younger person that's always a part of your life. And, and I promise you, if you do that, and the older person is one who loves God, wants to just encourage you to walk with God, and the younger person is somebody that you spend time with, you pray for, and you're looking to help them understand God, your life will be better. It, it'll be more on track. You, you'll see the purpose no matter what's going on in life. And, and that could change. Those people can change through time. Yeah, and they will because the younger person will grow up, go to college, and move 18 states away or something. You know, now, now all of a sudden you've got no younger person again. Uh, but there's always somebody you can pour into. should never be a gap in that. So you still, and if people listen to our last episode, and if you haven't, I encourage you to go to relate365.com or silverbirdranch.org and, and get those uh, those things and uh, the podcasts that we do. Uh, and we were talking about you wanting to go into ministry. And when you go into ministry, I was just talking about you're always a teacher. So have you had a chance to teach here at all? Uh, 
a group of young people yet for anything? Yes. So last Saturday I did about 20-minute talk on peer pressure for the C team that was here that was doing some volunteer work and raking leaves. Okay. Have you ever taught like that before? I have done what at our church we call opening session where it's about 15 minutes with a, with a quick song and that opens up for Sunday school and then the adults would do it at their adult classes then we divide up the the kids by grade. And what age group was that? Uh, that was everybody. Everybody. So you were able to, and, and you've done that a few times, one time? Twice. Twice. Two times this year. And so uh, now you were able to talk to a group and this group was both junior high and high school. So did you find this scary, challenging? What did you... So it was a little challenging. I thought I had... So Thursday night or Wednesday night, I was really set on what I was talking about. I was like... And then I ended up changing it to peer pressure Okay. at the day before. And then that night, I ended up changing my pas- passage and a few correlating verses because I was like reading the wider context and I didn't right. think it was an appropriate use of the context. Okay. So I was able, so I had to go find different scripture about 20 minutes before, and then I ended up losing my conclusion. So I just, so I just kind of like, I talked and I was just constant, and then I was able to, thankfully I had some verses memorized, I was able to pull references from my head. Okay. And then from Old Testament survey and things to be able to pull up some different passages and uh, really basically they were able to line up with the what I was talking about, and then I was able to bring a conclusion at the end. So it, you thought it went okay? Yeah, I ended up about just about 20 minutes, and when I started, I had no clue how it was going to go. So I really I, I felt encouraged when I was done. Yeah. So what's interesting to me is you, you just said a bunch of stuff in there that I hope people heard. Yeah. For example, uh, my Old Testament class, my, I had this conviction. I had it, So the Holy Spirit's working in your heart and trying to develop this message because the message wasn't what you needed to give. It was a message that they needed to hear and God knew what they needed to hear. You were the donkey, if I could use that term. So you're going to be the mouth. Yeah, well, it's better than being the Balaam. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, absolutely. So you're you're the donkey. You're going to be able to say something. But in the process, you change. Now, I I will tell you, I speak a, a gazillion times a year. Radio, whatever it might be, and the bottom line really is, I often am changing what I'm doing while I'm walking up. While I'm walking, and you've seen me teach, so yep. you know, you know, I use notes, but a lot of times there's something else that pours out of me at that particular moment, and it isn't because of lack of study. It isn't that I'm just winging it. Um, it's because there's something that the Spirit of God is pressing on my heart at that particular moment that I need to really address. Uh, and, and that's why, for me, when I'm, I'm speaking to a group of high school kids or junior hires, they'll say, you know, do you have an outline? And I'll usually say no. They say, well, how do you speak? Well, I have one. But I'm sure that before I speak, because you're asking months ahead of time, Yep. And and I'm sure before I speak to your group, that outline's going to change. I don't have that in stone at this point because I'm praying about it, thinking about it. Here's what I'd like to do. But now there's a lot of factors. I'm reading in the Old Testament. I'm reading the New Testament. I'm talking to people. And as I'm doing that, I'm, I'm reading news articles. And as I'm doing that, the Holy Spirit is saying, speak on this. And um, here's what I encourage you to do whenever you speak to a group if you're teaching. There's two aspects to speaking. Number one is you need to know what you're saying is accurate to the best of your knowledge. So that comes from your head. 
your your head needs to to be in line with the truth. So, you, and you said some things there. You know, my Old Testament class, my you were putting things together in the context of the Bible, not just pulling a verse out and using it, but the, the contextual part is very important. So that's good. That's where your brain should be. Is I want to be accurate in what I say. But those people who speak, and they speak accurately, and it all comes from their head, they're boring. Yes. So it needs to come from your heart as well. So I don't like ever speaking from an area that I'm not totally convinced of at this point, and that God isn't working on in me. So when I'm speaking, it comes from both my head and my heart. And if it's not coming from both of them, I don't want to speak on that topic. And, and I've tried to explain this before to youth pastors who say, can you speak on this? And sometimes I'll just say no. They go, well, it's easy to speak on. I said, well, academically, I could do it. But I'm not there right now. I'm not there with my heart. I'm, I'm, I'm really thinking about missions right now, or I'm thinking about, so, so the message is going to flare over there one way or the other, because that's where my heart is right now. Yeah. And I think it, to be a good teacher, you got to get both of those things in line. And if you're not excited about what you're teaching, then maybe you shouldn't teach it yet. You need to go back and study it more so you're excited about it and, and you're able to show some excitement. And, and people show it differently. Yes. You know, I mean, I'm known as a lecturer as far as a teacher goes because I come in and I explode. You know, I mean, it's like I have all this stuff I'm thinking about. Blah, 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 blah. And, and, you know, three hours later, it's like, did you get it all? And, and we'll be back the next class and do it all again, you know. But that's because I'm combining a couple things. Yep. Both the head knowledge from the years, years of studying, not just before class, and then the heart knowledge or the heart um, excitement that goes with that for if you actually grasp what I'm talking about. So I don't know if that makes sense or not to you. Yeah, it does because, like, your heart is where you're more or less in, like, the Bible. That's where your emotion comes from. So your head is just what you know while your heart is what like your heart is just basically control like controls like your feelings. So if I'm just talking and I'm just kind of talking like this and kind of bland and you can tell that I'm just basically it's almost like I'm just reading right. what's in front of me and I'm not I'm not telling you like this is what's true. Yeah. This is what's important. And of course your 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 personal personality will will reflect some of that. I think, you know, me being Scandinavian, the most excited I get is just getting louder. And But I'm not rolling on the floor or anything. I'm not yeah. doing that. And um, the other ethnicities have more emotion to them, so they're going to show it differently. Yeah. It, it's not about emotion. It's really just about getting your heart and your mind on the same track. And, and that's it, it gives you both of those aspects then. And, and really, while you're walking up to talk to somebody, it wouldn't be unusual for God to put a different story in your heart and your mind. And, you know, and I think for me, he does that just to show that, yeah, I'm the one speaking, not you. Uh, now, in order to get there, we talked the last program about the importance of studying during calm times. Yes. So in order to get to the point where you can speak and where your heart can be in line with your mind. You need to ponder these things. Um, I've often said that there's no possible way that you could be one who is awed by God's mercy and grace until you are totally convinced of your own sin. 
Yes. The Apostle Paul, for example. The Apostle Paul out there murdering people, doing stuff when he was Saul. And, and then all of a sudden, God meets him on the road to Damascus, strikes him down. And, and I could picture, you know, Paul saying, what? Why would you use me? So now, the rest of his life, it's like, do you know that God uses sinners like me? Whoa, whoa. Do you know what I did? So if you want to learn about God's mercy and his grace, go look at the Apostle Paul. Yes. Why? Because he understood his sin. So if, you don't, if you're not excited about God's mercy and grace, the thing I have to teach you is about how sinful you are. Yep. Not more about mercy and grace, because you could think you deserve mercy and grace. Yes. So that, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Because, yeah, because that's the big thing is if you don't know or believe your sin or realize really what sin does, mercy and grace loses its power. Right. Because uh, what's the power of me saying that God saved you if you don't think that you need to be saved or if, yeah, if you think that you don't need to be saved, that means nothing. You're just going to laugh at my face. Right. So, so you need to get the habit of meditating yep. on things. When, when something is said in the Bible, something is said, wh- you know, whatever it might be. Um, you're reading something uh, where you're you're starting to say, okay, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yep. Okay. Now you, you know that story. Yes. So you got three guys that refuse to bow. Yep. Okay, they're going to burn to death. That's what they think. Yes. So I'm thinking, here's what I do. I put the Bible down, and I'm going, really? How hard would it be to sneeze and act like you bowed? Yeah. You didn't really bow if you sneeze, right? Yeah. Or go down and, and leave your sandals unbuckled, and as soon as the music plays, go down and buckle your sandals so it looks like you're bowing, but you never bowed. Yeah. See, that's my mind, yeah. saying, let's avoid the furnace thing. You know, yeah. no furnace necessary. Let's avoid it. So my question would be, why did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stand tall instead of messing around like I would have? That's where meditation comes in, because now I can honestly ask myself the questions. Because honestly, the idea of looking at a furnace and walking into it does not sound appealing. No. So instead of it being a Sunday school story where it's just, okay, I know how it ends, I want to ask myself the question, what did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego know? What were they going through? We talked about emotions and brains. How did they operate the difference between knowing something and feeling something? I, th- well, I think they also had a, a better grasp of the fear of God. Okay. Like in, as in like Proverbs and Psalms, it talks in Ecclesiastes about like, the, I think all three of them say this, is like the beginning of wisdom starts with the fear of God. So, like, if we have, like, a proper, like, fear of God, knowing that, oh, he is powerful and he is just and he will judge us, then that's what, because if God wouldn't judge us, our sin wouldn't me wouldn't be, it would be still sin, and I'd be like, but how bad would it be? But since God is just and saying that he cannot abide with sin and sin can't abide with him and it separates us from him, right? That's when we realize that's with that's when we get a better picture of what the grace is actually doing and the mercy, yeah. and well, how much we un- do not deserve it and we shouldn't get it. 
you know, it's it's interesting again, and and I'm proud of you for doing it. You you went to the rest of the Bible and started to think, and that shows that you're 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 developing healthy habits and thinking through stories. It's it's like, well, here's what I see, but what does all Scripture say so that it ties in to what I should be understanding, and and that's important. Context is always important in the Bible. Uh, whenever I read a verse, you know, I, I, I want to get the verses around it to try and figure out what it actually says. And then I love going to a Bible program where I can see every other verse in the Bible that actually used that word. Yes. I, I, and now all of a sudden I'm really meditating and thinking. That's a different mind frame than reading through the Bible for context. Yes. Okay, because you could be stuck on a verse for weeks if you're actually thinking about it and you just do what I said, where the context part is you just read it and go right by it and say, that's interesting. So I spent a long time in the book of, of Daniel, just looking at these, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel, and trying to figure out why these guys did what they did and seeing how it was Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego that impacted Nebuchadnezzar. Yep. Now, who would have thought that Nebuchadnezzar was ever impactable? Yeah. But these three guys did it by just obeying. Yeah. And they realized our job isn't to change the king. Our job is to obey. And that's different than how a lot of people think. They think, well, I'd fail if the king doesn't change. It's not our job to change the king. It's our job to obey. And you've heard me say this in class a thousand times. I'm glad God only gave us assignments we can do. Yes. He didn't make us do things we can't do. So it's it's not for me to go change the Congress of the United States. That's not for me to do. It's for me to obey God. And if he wants me to be instrumental in changing somebody in the Congress of the United States, that's up to him. Yep. But it's for me to obey God. It isn't for me to go do that. And that's really from meditating on what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did, what Noah did, what, what Daniel did, what, what Moses did. I mean, the only thing that God ever asked all of those people to do uh-huh. is what they could do. Yes. So people thinking, well, God, you're going to ask me to do something. I, I just, it's going to be impossible. God, I think he laughs at that. It's like, no. why would I do that? Wasn't it like... I think, I can't remember, was it Livingston or was it Hudson Taylor who said, it could have been the Judson guy who I can't remember how to pronounce his first yeah, name. Whatever, yeah, whatever, yeah. A. Judson. I, I, go on. A. Uh, Judson. <laughs> uh, he said, like, with God, like, his work, it's impossible, difficult, done. Yeah. You know, so it's, like, it could seem impossible to us, but with, with him, it's it's not actually impossible. It might be a little difficult for us, but we, well, we can do it with him. Because he, he chooses to let us help him, and then done, and it's done. Right. Now, as, as you're thinking, I know, I know you're thinking ministry. We've talked about your teaching and, and getting the Bible, getting it contextually right and, and all that stuff, and you're, you're on a good path as far as I'm concerned. You want to learn. You want to see how it's done. Uh, you want to be formed by God into the young man you should be. Um, the, the next question you, you, you might have is, is how do you establish something? How do you get it going? Yep. Do, you, do you have something going already you want to join, or are you talking about starting something brand new? So 
maybe eventually start like a brand new camp somewhere like where there's not really anything even in the area like where it would be like the sole witness but right now there's a camp called uh Penile ranch okay or i guess if it, you said it like the way it's pronounced in hebrew Penile. okay we just call it Penile ranch okay and faith with faith frontier ministries and they're just starting out this one camp but they've only it's only been there for about 30 years but it's really rural and stuff and they've been really their main focus has been to the native americans of the colville tribe first okay and they've been trying to like get the boys and girls club there so that kids can hear the gospel good and they've been working with the kids and then they have groups come now but right now it's still relatively new and they're trying to start a horse program in the next couple of years which i want to help get that established and potentially move out there and work there okay so there is a ministry that's there already and you could join one yes or you could start one yeah or you could enhance one by going and changing the direction of some of the stuff they're doing by adding a horse program or even a blacksmith program we talked about in the last podcast or whatever it might be I tell you, if you ever get to be a blacksmith, come back to Silverberg Ranch for at least a week in the summer uh-huh. and just do it for the kids. Just yeah. come back to do it as a ministry. Uh-huh. Um, I know that the guys at the stables might want you to shoe all the horses, but that, that stay away from that if you can. We'll, we'll hire somebody for that. Uh-huh. And you come and show them how to be a blacksmith and do it. I, you know, I had fun this last year when I spoke to our junior campers, which is third through eighth grade. Uh-huh. One of the things I wanted to demonstrate to them is that they're created by God. I mean, very simple concept. You're created by God. So I was using the verse in the Bible. It says that, that he is the potter, we're the clay, and, and just talking about that. So I, I, through that discussion with my daughters, we found someone in the area that was a, a pottery guy. I forget what you call him. Uh-huh. Um, and so I called him and said, you know, would you be willing to come up and while I speak, would you make stuff? Uh-huh. And he said, sure. So it was the first time I just brought a guy up, and here he is making pottery while I'm, while I'm talking. Yep. And, and I'm talking to the kids about how God is the one who forms us. Just like him forming that clay, he makes us. And I was talking about purpose, design, all this stuff. And they were watching a guy who does pottery and he does it as a as a uh, hobby. I mean, he's not a professional. Yep. He was just doing it. At the end, he gave me a mug, so I still remember that now because uh-huh. we drink out of the mug at home. But the, the, the fun part was, here's a guy who's just doing something normal. Yep. And you look at all the times in Scripture where Jesus used normal illustrations for people to come to himself. Yep. And so being a farrier, being a blacksmith, whatever, whatever you end up being, um, could be tremendously impactful if you can give messages while you do it. Yep. Or you team with someone like myself who says, oh, that would be fun. Why don't I give a message while you go bang on some metal? You know, I mean, or whatever it might be. But with your, uh, I think, skill and ability, I think that God's developing in you, I think you, you could give a message while you're working on something. And, yeah. and I'm telling you, that's for young children especially, that is most impactful because you, you're using this visual that's in front of them. And, and really, I know people are used to seeing stuff on YouTube and all that kind of stuff. But when you do it in person, it's different. 
I promise you, when you talk to somebody in person, it's different. When you make something like that, it's different than just seeing it. Because you and I know that things that are on the screen sometimes are touched up. They're not always right. And in the back of your head, you know that. Yep. Yeah, like I got to, I mean, when I was younger, I got to see a a blacksmith in person a couple of times. And it's definitely different than watching a video on. So watching like was like this one thing. I think it was like a, a Nordic fest or something. And it's just a, like a guy just hammer, uh, just making a couple things yeah. demonstrated for people. But yeah. Now, if you get into ministry, though, ministry is really about communicating the gospel, loving people. Yeah. It's really not about yourself. No, it is not. So most likely you will never get paid what you're worth. Yep. Are you willing for that? I am willing for that. That was one of the hard things for me to do. Because I knew that, and I was like, I was really looking at my life, and I'm like, the reason I would be what I what I was going to do before I decided to become a farrier and stuff, and part of the reason I became a farrier and then moved to this was because I was like, I feel like I'm just doing this for the money, and it yeah. feels like that's the only reason, and that's not exactly a a God-honoring reason. And the more I pondered on it, the more I was like, the more I actually put effort into thinking about it the more I was like I realized I was like yeah this isn't how I want to live this isn't what I want to do yeah and you know I encourage young people do something in life that God made you to do not because of the money you're going to make from it because the Bible make, makes it very clear when you go through the scriptures you're going to have a God in your life Yes. and the God is going to be God yep. or it's going to be a false God with a little g or it's going to be money, or it's going to be comfort, or it's going to be... I, I encourage you, take everything off the table other than what God has for you. Yeah. You work a, a full day with the idea in mind that you get to represent Jesus Christ, where you get to represent God. Okay, so as you do that, now you will get paid something. Yeah. And you might get paid way more than you deserve. Yeah. You might get paid way less than you deserve. I don't even know what people deserve. I mean, but yeah. you you may get paid a lot. You may get paid a little. Either way, don't, you know, if you get paid too much, be very generous. Yes. If you get paid too little, don't complain. Yeah. Live within your means. But don't make the money the issue you do something. Yeah. And uh, one of the funny things that I always say is, you know, I promise you, you'll stay alive until you die. Yes. You know, somehow you'll have food, you'll have you know, and, and somehow it, you may be eating ramen soup, you know, a lot, but and not nothing against ramen soup. It's just yeah. cheap yep. uh, compared to some other foods. So I encourage you, um, be somebody who understands the, the whole concept of I am doing this because this is what God implanted on my heart to do. Yep. A lot. I think a lot of things has happened in this like past year with my uh, for my last year as a senior, my mom because I'm homeschooled, she's like, we're going to read, I'm going to have you read a ton of books on real view. There you go. And that really helped my change my perspective around and change my perspective so far around that I'm like, oh, now, now I want to, partway through the year, I was like, now I'm thinking about going to Bible college and yeah. things like that. And instead of should I, now it's like, why should I not? Right. Well, you know what we're going to have to do? We're going to have to end this program and maybe I have to have you back and we'll talk worldview okay. at some point when you come back. So uh, I thank Jeremiah for being with me, and I thank you for listening, taking the time to do that. 
If you uh, want to know more, you can go to NicolayBibleInstitute.org and find out more there. But for now, this is Dave Wager for Younger Older. Goodbye for now.